0: Welcome to The Cut on Tuesdays, on Thursday. I'm Stella Bugby, Editor-in-Chief of The Cut.
1: Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn
0: and stretch and try to come to life. This is How I Get It Done, The Cut's series about ambitious women and the way they live. How they deal with their inboxes, people's feelings, their grocery shopping, their morning routines. What do they know that we don't? What do they do that we can steal? It's part advice column, part love letter, part voyeurism. Literally, life hacking. This week, I talked to Amy Sherald. Amy is funny and warm and a brilliant artist. And the place she's in in her life right now is completely fascinating. Amy went from being a relatively unknown artist in person, working on her own, making ends meet however she could, to being extremely famous in the art world and in high demand. This happened very quickly. Last fall, she was selected to paint First Lady Michelle Obama's official portrait. Amy came by the cut offices recently, and we talked about all the ways in which her life has changed, including going from having relative control over her schedule to having one in which she needs assistance. We talked about one thing she does every single day to calm herself down, and we also talked about what it's like to try to get pregnant in your mid-40s when your career is just finally where you want it to be. I started by asking Amy about the moment everything in her life changed. Tell me a little bit about what you felt when you first heard you were going to be painting Michelle Obama's portrait.
1: I'm usually so inappropriately stoic, but, um, I don't, you know, honestly, you know what I thought about now that I'm thinking about it? I thought my mom finally has bragging rights now. <laughs> because I think that's something that always bothered her. My mom was born in 1930, so when I told her that I wanted to be an artist, she had no clue what that meant. Because there was like no end. Like if I said I wanted to be a doctor, she gets it. It's like medical school. You have a job. You're apparently wealthy, and then you're okay. But she had no, she had no bragging rights. So like my friends that I grew up with, they were all like physicians' assistants, and they're all you know we're 37, 38. And they're like, what's Amy doing? It's like, oh, she's a waitress, you know? And so she was essentially ashamed. <laughs> but now she has bragging rights and really excited about it and feels like it's something that she accomplished as well. So I think that was one of the first things I thought. She was the first person I call.
0: Do you talk to her every day?
1: Um, I'll, Yeah, like way too much. Like she isn't <laughs> she's got nothing else better to do but call me five times a day now.
0: I guess I would love to... Um have you take us through a typical morning? Typical
1: morning. Do you have a typical morning? Alarm goes off at 5.45 with the intention of being at the gym at 6.05. Snooze button is hit three times. Wake up at 7.15. <laughs> the gym doesn't happen. Um, Ever? It happens, yeah. We're trying to get on a routine, my partner and I. So yeah, I make him breakfast. I walk him to the pass station. And then I come back. I take my dog out. And then I take a shower and I go to the studio.
0: And then once you get to the studio, you're
1: alone? Are you with people? What are you doing? Now I am with people. (laughs) How many people? Um, Two people so far. Yeah, so I have my studio production manager and then Alexander, my manager. He's basically my boss. (laughs) He tells me what to do every day. Is he there in the morning when you Mm -hmm. get there? Yeah. Somehow I usually don't get there till 11. I will call and say, you're on your way. And I'm like, yeah, it's 1030. I'll I'll be there by 11 and I get there like 1145. What are you doing in that mystery 45 minutes? I have no idea. Like, absolutely nothing. I'm, like, walking around looking for stuff. I just move so I can't ever find anything. It takes me, like, 30 minutes longer to get dressed because I lose everything that I take off the night before, you know? I like to re-wear my socks a few times before, (laughs) before I put them in the washer. And I'm, like, always, like, looking for socks and just, I don't know, just stupid stuff. The one thing that I've had to do since everything has gotten so crazy is just like let go of my Virgoness, which is like that everything has to be order and in order and happen in order because it just is like a shit show and you just have to like let it be a shit show.
0: And that's happened since you became yeah. famous. Yeah. It wasn't like this
1: before. No, I would like eat dinner. I would have time to cook dinner, one, and wash my dishes and not just like. If I cook dinner, then I'm crashing right afterwards. It's just, yeah, there's like no time for anything. Like, I get it now. I was listening to the news last year, and they were talking about how wealthy people spend their money, and they say they don't buy things. They pay for things to give them more time because they don't have time. And so I I totally get that now.
0: And is that because you are painting like a crazy woman? Yeah. Just every day. All
1: day. That, too, and just, like, doing other things, like, People want you to do other things, interviews or whatever, you know, so you try to show up for what you think is important. Um, And then all of a sudden I have like a gala life now, you know, it's like... Talk to me about gala life. How do you handle gala life? Gala, like you're being honored at a gala. It's just all kind of super weird. And I want to say no to it, but then I'm scared of like, I'm scared of like offending people, you know. Um, How many galas do you have to go to every week? This month I have one, two, three, four... So one per week? Almost, yeah.
0: Now that she has this platform and she's living the quote-unquote gala life, Amy makes time to support one very specific cause. One of her galas the week we talked was
1: for a group called Harboring Hearts. They help people financially while they wait for an organ. I was really lucky to be able to raise $10,000 from my hospital bed the two months I was in the hospital because I kind of just like had a network. Um, but a lot of people aren't that fortunate. And so while you're waiting, um, first of all, you can't get a transplant of any kind unless you have somebody who's committed to taking care of you for a full month afterwards. So if you don't have a support system, they don't even put you on the list. And so there's so many other things that have to come into play before they even put you on the list to get an organ. And um, having housing afterwards is something that's important because some people don't always live in areas where there is a hospital that can do that kind of surgery. So Harboring Hearts financially supports these families. And you had a heart transplant. I did. How long ago now? Six years. Me and Kristen have been friends.
0: <laughs> Kristen is the name of your heart? Kristen's my donor, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And that must feature like strongly into your day in terms of thinking about your health. yeah. You know, what accommodations have you had to change about your day and your
1: life to make um, a, a healthier heart? For me, it's, it's basically about making sure I get enough rest, which is something I haven't, like, I've kind of jumped off the self-care bus and joined the rest of the world and, like, being overworked. So, for me, that's the number one thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think about it every day, but every morning I have to wake up and take pills to keep this organ and every night before I go to bed I have to take pills to keep the organ so how many pills do you have to take every day now I'm down to eight how but do you keep those organized I don't because I'm I can't do the pill box I just can't do it it just like makes me feel like I'm just an old person like I just had to get progressive lenses and it took me a year of like taking off my glasses and like not being able to see close up before I was like let me just go ahead and do this
0: so talk to me a bit about, you get to work at basically 11. Mm-hmm. Your two people
1: are there hounding you, or are they working already? They're, They're working, working already, here. And yeah. then you join them? What do you do? Then I usually put on my headphones and like try to get to work. I usually read for 20 minutes so that I can like settle myself, and then I try to get to work. What's something you're reading? I'm reading um, Bell Hook's Salvation. <laughs> and there's another book I can never remember the name of. It's... Um, Oh, it's in The Defense of Troublemakers. Ooh. It's a really good book. So then you've been at work. You've read you've read some bell hooks. Yeah. When do you eat? I set an alarm kind of so that I can stop and eat. Really? Yeah. At what time? I usually, if I can start at 10, then I can stop at 1 and then start back at 2 and then paint till 5, 30 or something like that.
0: And do you forget to eat because you're so intensely focused working or just you don't get hungry
1: it's just annoying and i love food and i love to eat and when you're so busy it just becomes like another thing you have to do that it just it's annoying to do and i just don't want to stop and do it and then i there's never anything that i'm i really want to eat i don't really have an appetite now anyway because all these drugs that i take like kind of suppress my appetite so you're working straight through you set your alarm for lunch and then you finish up
0: the day at what time
1: Six o'clock now, like normally it would be like 11 to 11, but um, now that, all that all that time I didn't have like anybody that I was in love with, so I was just like working because I was lonely and I had everything else to do <laughs> besides get home and get in my bed and like get on Instagram, because that was my boyfriend at the time. Um, So now I like to be home and he gets home and like make dinner and then we watch, we catch up on like This Is Us or something like that, you know. So I like to end at six, so at least I can have three hours of my day to myself.
0: So, okay, so you get there, you read for 20 minutes. Are you painting
1: commissioned portraits, or are you painting work that you're conceiving of? Work that I'm conceiving of. I'm getting ready for the probably the biggest show of my life thus far with my new gallery in New York at Hauser & Worth.
0: When I first talked to you, whatever that was, several months ago, yeah. you were telling me that you have this complicated mathematical calculus where you sort of say like, if I have more assistance, I can make more paintings. Yeah. How many paintings can I reasonably make? Yeah. I have this many hours, it takes me this many hours to make a painting, I have to make X amount of paintings. So what is this show
1: coming up? Uh, how many paintings do you have and how much time do you have to make them? I'm making a one very large painting, which it's the equivalent of making four paintings. So it would probably take me four months to create. And I think it's something that you just have to come to terms with. It's like with a successful career, you have to hire some assistants to help. Otherwise, I can imagine that you would have to snort a lot of cocaine and drink a lot of coffee just to like get through life, you know? Um, which and, is not an option Which for is you. not <laughs> an option, right? It's like, so eight paintings for the show. I think we can probably finish them all by August. And when is the show? September Yeah. So the paint will still be drying at that show. (laughs) Every single show I've had for the past three years, the paintings left my studio wet. And I was, like, literally following them to the truck with a paintbrush, like, one more thing,
0: you know. So when is a painting done? Um, When When it has to go hang on a wall? Yeah, it has to go hang (laughs) on a wall. Yeah. Wow. So abandoned all self-care, but when you walked in this morning, you said you'd just been to acupuncture. So tell me a little bit about acupuncture and how that's working for you.
1: It's something I've always done, but now I'm doing it for fertility, which is like, it's, I never thought I wanted children. Well, actually I had to give up on the idea of having children when I was 30. So when I was diagnosed with heart failure, they told me you can't have any kids because if you get pregnant, you're going to die because your heart function is so low. And so it was like okay I guess this is something that's just like not going to happen. And then you know I, I hadn't met anybody that I wanted to be with, you know what I mean? So like as time progressed 35, 36, 37, you're just like I guess it's just not going to happen and I was settled into like being a single person with like several young boyfriends when I was like 55 or something like that. And then I met Kevin, my partner, and all of a sudden I'm like I want to have a baby with this man, you know, but I'm like 44. And we go to the fertility clinic, and I have like two follicles left. Never even like thought about my follicles before. you know, like apparently you're born with eight hundred billion. and when you turn thirty, I think you lose something like eighteen million a month as a woman. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good because I have two left. <laughs> um, I decided I was we were gonna give it a shot. You know how when you start to get into things, all of a sudden you come into contact with people who've like gone through it. So I met other women who were like, 45, 46, who had like zero follicles and had a baby. So we're like, we're going to do this. When I connected with them, we all had this conversation and they all had to do acupuncture and Chinese herbs. That's why I'm doing it. But it's also just been essential, I think, to my practice because I know when I do go, everything in my life is better. It's like the equivalent of smoking a joint for me. It just kind of like decompresses me and then everything is aligned and it just makes life better. How often do you get to go do that? Once a week now. If I wasn't going for fertility, I would be doing it like once a month, I think. Because it's really expensive. It's not cheap.
0: Okay, I have some like sort of nuts and boltsy questions for you. What's one thing you do every
1: single day? Besides poop?
0: (laughs) Yes, besides poop.
1: (laughs) That's Um, good. Not everybody can say that. (laughs) I can't function unless that happens. It's like I don't even want to go into work. Um, One thing I do every single day... I tried to, anyway, do this 20-minute meditation on the Insight Timer app by this guy named Moji. He's like this black British Jamaican guy. And I do that meditation and he just reminds me that, um, he has this one part where he's like, imagine that you're a movie screen and the screen is on fire, but the screen is not burning. So it's like, yeah, everything that's happening around me is happening, but it's like not affecting who I am as a person. So it just um, reminds me to that all these, you know, I feel like I'm being pulled in a million different ways now and that I like I have control over it and I don't have to internalize it. For some reason, I don't know, it works. It's like it just slowly dissipates if you just like let it sit there with you, but you don't freak out about it, you know, or like become overwhelmed by it. So that's one thing I try to do every day.
0: Do you have a long list of
1: people trying to get their portrait painted by you now? I have a lot of people, but I'm not a commissioned artist. I think a lot of people think, um, when they think about my practice, they're like, you must be painting so many people now. And I'm like, I, I don't want to paint anybody. And I feel like I'm going to say no a lot and probably disappoint some people. I'm not exactly interested unless they are or could be a part of my vision In the first place.
0: What? Tell me about style. Because you have really great style. And do you think about it? Do you have to put time into it? How do you even find time to go shopping? If I could wear a uniform, I would.
1: If you could have a uniform, what would it be? Um, My winter uniform last year was um, pleather leggings, lowland Stuart Weitzman's, and a black kind of cashmere, um, what do you call it? Like cowl neck... um, cape but like you can put your arms through what is that called like a you know what i'm talking about capelet? a capelet or something <laughs> like that know. with like a black toe uh, underneath a cape with arms yeah because it's comfortable it's warm i don't get tired of it And I always feel like I look sophisticated. And you can paint in those clothes? No, that's not my paint clothes. It's just like my hit the street uniform.
0: So when you get into work,
1: do you put on like a white lab coat? Do you put on an apron? No, like normally I wake up, I have on a, I have like a gray sweatshirt that I wear with some mom jeans, and I like to have on cute sneakers when I go to the studio. So, like, what I'm is looking for a pair a of, like, everyday studio shoe now, actually, which is stupid. but what,
0: Like, what do you—is it, like, a giant sneaker? Is it no. A kid? Something a simple sneaker?
1: and cute so that if I throw on a, a nice jacket and I need to leave the studio and, like, go do something, I don't feel like I'm showing up looking like, you know, as my mom says, like, boo-boo, the fool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned— that before you had a boyfriend, Instagram was your boyfriend.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think managing social media in our lives is a really
1: difficult time-sucking problem. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I deleted my Facebook page. I don't go on it as often now. I, I, honestly, Instagram was like so much of a habit when I was single that I had to like, um, I realized it's like I would pick up my phone to do something else, like call somebody, and I would subconsciously hit Instagram. Like, not even trying to go to Instagram, I would just, like, go on Instagram. And, like, Facebook was the same thing. Like, I would go to my email, and, but I would type in Facebook instead. You know what I mean? So I had to take the app off of my phone for, like, two weeks and just be without it. And I realized, like, when it was off that I would pick it up all the time just out of habit. And I would pick it up and I couldn't go anywhere. So I had to just break the habit. What is a piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Um... Don't waste your time on all these whack ass dudes. Like, quit obsessing over being in love and falling in love, and just like live your life. Because I think I spent half of my life pining for a boyfriend until I was like thirty four, and then I was like, I don't need a man. And then you start really like just getting into you and who you are and what you're doing. I think, um, and like not taking anybody's shit and not being a pleaser. Because I just learned how to say no, like, three years ago. Does it feel good to say no now? Yeah, it feels good. Because you're in a position of power Yeah, I love being an asshole. Like, I love it now. It's amazing because I've never, I've always been so diplomatic and so, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And now I I understand essentially that um, you would be saying no to me, so why can't I say no to you? You know what I mean? It's like self-preservation Yeah, it's self-preservation, yeah. 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 That's why the 40s are amazing because you learn those lessons. Have you given that advice to anybody recently? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I give talks, I feel like there's young, there's young women that are like, how do you work? How do you make work? And like, um, when you're feeling like you're not enough, or like you have low self esteem, like, you know, what's something that you can do? And I'm like, you just have to realize that only you can make the work that you make, and that your life is your life. You can't look at anybody else's life. And that, you know, You're always going to feel like I, you know, I I always say, like, I have low self-esteem right now as I'm speaking to you. You know what I mean? Like, it never goes away. You just learn how to, like, deal with it. So you just have to, like, work through it. That's
0: it for this week's How I Get It Done. Molly, we'll see you next Tuesday. This episode was produced by Nazanin Rafsanjani and Kimi Regler and mixed by Sam Baer. Our theme song is 9 to 5 by the one and only Dolly Parton. Special thanks to Lauren Stark and Kara Fisher. The Cut on Tuesdays on Thursdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.